You're listening to ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to conference coverage highlights from the Radiological Society of North America's 95th Scientific Assembly and Annual Meeting, which took place November 29th through December 6th, 2009 in Chicago. Your host for this program is Dr. Jason Bernholtz, Director of Diagnostic Ultrasound Consultants in Oak Brook, Illinois. We're speaking with Dr. Stamatia Destunas, who is a Clinical Associate Professor of Radiology at the University of Rochester and a practicing radiologist with the Elizabeth Wendy Breast Care Center in Rochester, New York. Stamatia, thank you for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. Stamatia's paper at the RSNA, one of many things she is doing here, but the one we're focusing on uh, today, is entitled The Role of Ultrasound Elastography for Differentiating Benign from Malignant Breast Lesions. Can Benign Result Biopsies Be Reduced? Which is a very, very good question. Now, before we get into the, to the study and to comments about classifying breast nodules, I want to say that the study is done at a community breast center. And it is very, very relevant to practice all around the country at this point in time. And it's good to distinguish that from studies that are some hyper-research study involving things that nobody can reproduce within three years of the time it's done. This is practical, real-world stuff. It's not to say that this is not scientifically rigorous at all, but that this is the bottom line of what's important for practice now. So the thing is, you, you've been using elastography, and uh, we have been hearing in interviews about how this is giving us some indication of the firmness or softness of nodules that we see. What have you been finding? Well, I, first of all, I'm at an outpatient imaging center, and I'm a breast imager, so this is all we do. So we, in our facility, see almost 80,000 patients a year, and some come in with lumps or concerns that their physician has sent them in with and some come feeling something or we find something on the mammogram. We perform a diagnostic ultrasound on all of those patients when we do see a mass or something we're feeling they're feeling and we went ahead and wanted to research elastography to see how helpful that may be in characterizing the solid lesions or findings on ultrasound we were finding. And for the last two and a half years, we collected cases by going through a consent form process, and we had the patients agree to undergo the elastography procedure. What elastography is, is just software on your ultrasound unit. So when you do the standard ultrasound image and you see the lesion, you can use elastography, the software that you have by pressing a button and by touching with the ultrasound probe on the patient's breast very lightly. You can use respiration or you can use the patient's heart rate to guide you and you can create an elastogram which is an image that you can view side by side to the standard B-mode ultrasound image of the lesion. And what we found was that for the several cancers that we had in the group of lesions that we investigated, we went ahead and did needle biopsies on all these lesions. So we found out exactly what they were, and we had 59 cancers in the group. And in that group, the elastogram was very helpful. It correlated true to the standard ultrasound image and to the needle biopsy finding in 98% of the cases. 
The elastogram measured larger when you measured it side to side and top to bottom than the standard B-mode image in 98% of the cases. Now, let me ask you a question. Is that because there is more tumor or is this because of some desmoplastic reaction? What's the consequence for the surgeon? Does this mean much bigger excision than they might have planned otherwise? Well, there were several cases that it measured a small amount larger. And in those cases, it could be both. It could be tumor that's microscopic, such as ductal carcinoma in situ. The invasive part lights up both on the standard ultrasound and the elastogram, but also the ductal carcinoma in situ may light up on the elastogram, which you may not see on the standard image. But the dandrels, the desmoplastic reaction that a cancerous tumor may have, also will light up because it will change the firmness of that area and the tissue surrounding the tumor. You will not be able to see that with a standard ultrasound image. Now, actually, for standard ultrasound image, maybe there's something that would be good to to point out because everything seems to be changing and improving, maybe not instantly, but over the course of a few years. And the ultrasound that we do now, the conventional ultrasound, is very much better than it was just a few years ago, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. We're able to find very small lesions. We're able to go back after, let's say, a breast MRI shows us a finding that may be a few millimeters and frequently go back and do targeted ultrasound of that specific area and find a very subtle hypoechoic area that a few years ago would not have been perceptible. So ultrasound has come a long way. We're able to find very subtle changes in the architecture of the breast that we couldn't find a few years ago. That's important because, you know, many people will say, many referring people will say, oh, yes, like 10 years ago I had a case and it didn't help me, and hence the method is terrible and not valuable, without realizing that we're learning and progressing. Exactly, and it's not just the equipment that gets better. The thing with ultrasound, and specifically with elastography also, it's operator-dependent to some extent. We are all getting better over time. So somebody that does breast ultrasound once a week will probably not be as good as someone that does it every day. And with elastography, there was a learning curve. For breast imagers, it's a natural learning curve because we're already looking at shadows of gray under ultrasound. So it's a natural curve to, you know, learning curve to learn how to look at the elastogram. A lot of our colleagues don't appreciate that about radiologists. If I can editorialize a little bit, you know, they can say, oh yes, it takes, you know, so long to become a brain surgeon and you need that you know, operating room time, but they don't realize that it takes us a long time because we are learning a different set of skills that may be visual. Exactly. I, you know, I have been doing breast imaging for almost 20 years. And when I did come out after my breast imaging fellowship, I really did not know very much breast MRI at all because it just wasn't there yet. But since that time, breast MRI is coming to its own. We all knew how to do rudimentary ultrasound and breast ultrasound, but we've perfected that technique. We're clinicians, really. We're examining the patient's breast, feeling the area, placing the probe. We're using our clinical judgment to identify what's going on with the patient and her problem. And we are learning along the way. Now let's get back to the elastography study because one of the things that you were looking at was lesions that you've identified and that you can subclassify as not very likely to be cancers and to perhaps avoid biopsies. Is that, tell us what you found. Well, 
So for cancers, it was the correlation was very high. For the benign lesions, which was the area that I was most interested in because I wanted to get as high correlation for the benigns as I got for the cancer, so I would not have to do unnecessary needle biopsy procedures on the patients. Definitely for cysts and cystic structures, elastography is very helpful. You get a bullseye look. It's very distinct. Every cyst looks the same. And for most inspissated, you know, thick-walled cysts, maybe uh, some inflammation in the cyst, they've bled a little, some iatrogenic. We do have patients that return that have had prior cyst aspirations, and they've built a little hematoma in the cyst. All those structures look very benign in the elastogram. But there were other benign things, prior injury, such as fat necrosis, prior infection that healed with injury, fibroadenomas in young women, papillomas, lots of benign things that I hoped would I would avoid doing a needle biopsy on. And we found correlation in 78% of the benigns. So the elastogram was not, did not correlate as high with the benign lesions as I would have liked as it did with the cancerous lesions. But still, there were many benign lesions. You could say, this is benign, forget this. Exactly. There were definitely many lesions that he measured smaller on the elastogram. And what I mean, side-to-side measurement, top-to-bottom, the distance ratio was smaller on the elastogram versus the standard B-mode ultrasound. Those definitely, you could say, they were benign. But there were some that was much more difficult to tell for sure, very close to a distance ratio of one, you know, very close to the standard ultrasound, depending on how you measure, maybe a little larger. There was just an element of, you know, concern or worry that you may not be measuring it correctly. All those patients went on to needle biopsy. The findings were benign. If I can just phrase something in a way, and I don't want this to be too misleading, but if we forget for the time being mammography and forget MRI, which you couldn't because in any one patient you have the option of all of these imaging things to do what you think is best for that patient. But if you forget those and only focus upon the ultrasound, do you think that at this point in time, if you have a reason to do a more targeted ultrasound, that the exam needs to go beyond the conventional imaging or maybe even beyond using Doppler to include elastography? Is this, are we at the point where this is something that really should be part of a good exam? Well, I, I think more research has to be done. I don't think we're quite there because, you know, I, I think it's very interesting work so far. I think there are many ultrasound vendors right now at this RSNA that are working very hard to get an elastography product. But for me, and I am speaking, there's a lot of research going on at that level. But for me right now, I think it's a, a helpful additional tool. I would never use it alone in a vacuum to stand alone by itself. I think it has to be used in correlation with your clinical impression, with your mammogram, with your breast exam, with your ultrasound, but not alone. This cannot be used just, oh, elastogram smaller, 
this is okay, we don't have to do a biopsy. The higher your accuracy rate, the more indicators you use. Yes, do I think it's helpful? It is helpful. Many situations, it agree with what I was thinking. It made me look twice at what I was thinking. So it's very helpful as an additional tool. Oh, that's, that's really good. You know, a lot of times, if I can inject something of myself, that with residents, I would often try to get them to think as a researcher, to say, all right, let us research this topic. And what I found, whatever the topic was, some small little point, is it makes you a better observer for everything else. And so this seems to be a very practical example. You have the elastography, and it makes you think a little harder about each patient. How does this extra information fit in with all of the rest? Exactly. Well, Stamatia, thank you very much for joining us. Well, thank you. We've been speaking with Dr. Stamatia Destunas, a clinical associate professor at the University of Rochester and a radiologist at the Elizabeth Wendy Breast Care Center in Rochester. Thank you again. You've been listening to conference coverage highlights from the Radiological Society of North America's 95th Scientific Assembly and Annual Meeting. ReachMD, online, on demand, and on air. Visit us at ReachMD.com. And thank you for listening.